Welcome to the Taylor and Jen podcast. Mornings with Taylor and Jen. For me, it was a handheld basketball games with little blips on a gray screen. And it was like, beep, 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 beep. and then you would make a basket and it would go, beep, 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 beep. that was it. Life 107.1. When you go through a difficult situation, I don't know, like the entire year of 2020. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> there are there are reasons why you cry, right? Mm-hmm. And and my my small group and I were sitting around. This is gals. We were sitting around talking about you know who amongst us is the criers, who is always 30 seconds from crying. I can cr- I can cry and laugh and cry and laugh like in the same conversation. I'll start and stop and start because I'm always ready to cry. I've seen it happen. My friend Denise was like, well, she said, here's the thing. I really don't like crying in public. So much so that I will preemptively cry. Preemptively cry. And I stopped. We Everybody stopped what we were doing and all heads turned and looked at her and we were like, what? <laughs> She's like, yeah. And she looked at her, Does anybody, doesn't anybody else do this? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Before she goes into a situation that she knows is going to be emotional, she knows is going to be hard, maybe a trigger of some sort, <laughs> like the night before, the day before, she'll think about it and get herself to cry about it then in private so that when she walks into the public situation the next day, she will be all cried out. She's used up all the tears. She's, she's done with that. That actually sounds really <laughs> cathartic. I think it's so- how do you do that i don't know if any of us like sit down and think about what our philosophy on crying is but i do know it seems as though crying in public is not something that we try to do a lot no in fact we try to avoid it yes and we'd love to hear what you've done trying to avoid crying in public i don't like to cry in public but sometimes you just can't help it when i try not to especially like in a a testimony at a movie that you're not expecting you try to stop it, and then you have a lump form there, uh-huh. and then you can't breathe, and then you sound something like <sighs> like that. That doesn't sound movie healthy. Armageddon when they're trying to destroy the the asteroid before it hits the Earth. Yeah, and then he says goodbye to his daughter. That choked me up. Did you cry? Well, I tried not to, and then I couldn't breathe, and then everybody looked at me. Okay, so the movie Armageddon came out like 20 years ago. Is that the last time you got choked up in public? Yeah, a movie anyway, yeah. (laughs) None of the other ones. I mean, Armageddon is known to be a tearjerker. It was good. It was very good. Debbie, do you have something that you do to keep from crying in public? I am such a weeper. I just cry at the drop of a hat. I cry at sad movies. I cry at happy movies. <laughs> I cry in tense situations and sad situations. And I have a suggestion. It works for me. Okay. When I'm in a situation face to face, you know, sometimes when you're caught off guard, what I find is if I push my pointer finger into my thumb, you know, because you can do that kind of surreptitiously and they, oh. they won't know that you're doing. It. And sometimes if it's really, really bad, then I kind of clench my fist and dig those fingernails right into the palm of my hand. Well, doesn't that that make you cry from the pain? No, it kind of takes your mind off of not crying because you're focusing on that so that then the tears kind of get kind of re-channeled. I've just given up. I cry so often in public, it's changed the way I wear my makeup. Oh, I no longer wear makeup on the bottom half of my eye. Oh, I'll, yeah. I'll put a little bit of a mascara, but because I just would cry it off mm-hmm. every single solitary day. I have given up 
trying to not cry in public. But apparently a lot of people have some unique ways to keep those tears in. When I feel the urge to cry, the tip of my nose starts to burn. Like I just got too much water in my nose from the swimming pool or something. Uh A little space in between the tip of your nose and the skin above your upper lip. I take my index finger and I poke on that. (laughs) And um, for some reason, I don't know if it's the pressure or what, because it kind of hurts a little bit. Yeah, it does. I'm doing it now. (laughs) Redirecting your mind from what's making you want to cry. That's how I stop myself from crying in public anyway. Really? Interesting. And that works? Yeah. I really wish this was TV right now because you would be seeing Taylor and me both. We're both like pressing that skin right now. Well, yeah, right now Jen's poking her own nose. <laughs> I'm, I'm practicing it's different the, places. You're talking about like the lip part or like the bottom of your nose? The bottom of your nose. So, oh, like, oh, okay, so, so you were doing it right. Yeah. I was doing it wrong. Yeah, you're wrong. I'm right. Okay. You should cry. Well, we're both doing it right now, so we're not going to cry for I don't know. I weeks. I think I'm going to cry. <laughs> Dr. Heidi, when they're little, it seems so far away that they would ever get to a point where they would actually disagree with you about big things. Yeah. And I think one of the things that parenting an adult child that we maybe aren't prepared for is when they disagree with you on significant things and you no longer have the right to say, because I'm your mom, you have to do it this way. Right, because if you do, it damages the relationship. It does. And I don't want a damaged relationship, but I really would love it if she would just agree with me all the time. Is that <laughs> is that too much to ask for? It, it is. <laughs> Honestly, it is. Yes. I'm just going to tell you right now, it's too much to ask for. Parenting adult children is hard. It's so hard. It's terrifying. <laughs> it's terrifying. Because you can't just say, go have a timeout or you're grounded. Right? <laughs> it's so much harder. The little years are sometimes the easiest. They don't maybe seem like it, but but things get much more complicated yeah. as they get older because then you're trying to have a relationship with someone and you might want to have the relationship and have space for disagreement, but they might say, why don't you agree with me? It right. might go both ways. Mm-hmm. And then how do you negotiate that? That's a great question. I don't know that I have all the answers, but here's some things I think are important to think about. Most people have similar values and beliefs and concerns, even if the outcome of those beliefs are different, Mm. right? Yeah. We all love people. Mm -hmm. We all care about people. We all want to be responsible human beings. We all want to avoid the fear. But sometimes our answers then are solutions that are different. I have found it helpful to try to guide people or to think through what is the common ground that we have. Mm. Yep, outcome is different. What's that underlying belief that we can agree on? People are important. Loving people is important. Yeah. And maybe inviting your young adult, inviting your teenager to say, okay, we disagree, but here are the things that we have in common. Yeah. For example, let's just talk about, oh, I don't know, our faith. As a child, I was at church if the doors were open. Mm-hmm. For me, it was Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday afternoon. You too, right? I mean, oh, yeah. it's just how it looked. Yeah, basically right? lived there. Gen Z. I don't know that they feel the need to be inside the church every time the door is open. But one thing that I have found is that they do feel the compulsion to serve. Mm, I love that. To be out in the world and to be the hands and feet of Jesus. So although it may not look exactly the same the way that they, quote, do church. 
we still believe in discipleship and yeah. service. And that's where you have to be so careful not to make the mistake of assuming that because they're not doing their faith the same way you are, that they don't have a faith. Yeah. Nothing is more damaging to a relationship than saying, because you do this, you believe this. Mm. So we have to slow down and we have to listen. We have to ask questions. What do you think I'm missing? What does your faith look like to you? Why is this so important to you? And just acknowledging that we don't understand it, but we are open. We are flexible. If we want them to be flexible, if we want them to be open to what we have to say, we have to model that for them. Well, have you ever had an adult, somebody older than you, assume something about you just because of the way that you did something? Absolutely. So you didn't care for it very yeah. much? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I now think... here I am doing it to my daughter. <laughs> right, right, right. So what... stop. So stop. What's helped me is being able to separate my values from my opinions. Um, Being able to say, this is something I believe about the nature of humanity, the nature of reality, the nature of God. And because of that, I believe that I should do this or the world should work this way. My brother and I share a lot of values, but then the conclusions we come to, those are where our opinions branch. And so when he and I kind of go back and forth on things, sometimes we're able to return to, you know what? We both see God in this way. That's what we can hold on to, recognizing that there's like this core versus this outside thing. And we're arguing about the outside. And I think it helps when the goal of the relationship isn't to get the other person to agree with you. Right. Mm-hmm. Have those conversations, but then what? put them Wait, aside. What? Isn't that the goal of every conversation? We should all look and think exactly the same and wear the same shirt every day. I know. How boring would the world be? It would be boring. And it doesn't give us the beauty of relationships where we're challenged and where we grow by other people. So have the conversations, talk about the things you disagree with, and then go eat some food. Do something that's relationship building and step away from the things that are potentially relationship damaging. It is becoming one of the most popular Thanksgiving Day sides. I mean, it has been progressively getting more and more popular all over the country over the course of the last just five years. And when you hear it, you're probably going to think, well, duh, why did I miss out on this? Can you take a guess? Oh, I know what it oh, is, I so know I'm not going to guess. What it is. I know what it is. But apparently this has been popular in the South all mm-hmm. along, but now it's becoming a countrywide thing to have mac and cheese as a Thanksgiving Day side. Mac and cheese nestled I... right alongside your turkey on your Thanksgiving Day table. I didn't even know that was... I'm from Texas, and I didn't know that was an option. And I lived in the South for nine years. Yeah. But I have never, ever made mac and cheese to hang out alongside the cranberry jelly Mm. and the gravy and the green bean casserole and the turkey and the potatoes and stuffing. I have never made it to put on my Thanksgiving Day table, and I'm asking myself now... Why not? I mean, there's there's so much beige on the Thanksgiving plate. It's nice to have a bright neon yellow there. It is the side dish that is growing the fastest in popularity for your Thanksgiving Day meal. I had no idea, but there it is. Mac and cheese. Mac and cheese growing in popularity, exploding since like 2015. I'm fully in support of this. I'm just sad that I'm just now realizing it was an option. I had no idea. Did you? Apparently we know who to thank, though. I think I'm the trendsetter for the macaroni and cheese. You started it? I think. Yeah, Yeah. and honestly, I think I started it because it was the only thing I could make. (laughs) (laughs) Because I would get together with like 50 other people that made like fancy creamed corn with extra Mm. stuff in it or 
cheesy asparagus and turkey. And I thought, okay, my kids, they're not going to eat that. Yeah, no. <laughs> we would have a roll and pumpkin pie on their plates. And I would have all these ants looking at me like, ooh, you are killing this mother thing. You are just killing it. So it just started into a tradition that I brought macaroni and cheese. And you know, now they're like all almost in their 20s. And they all say, Oh, Aunt Kelly, I hope you brought the macaroni and cheese. Aww. That's like, great. The nebulous they that rules the world have done a survey mm-hmm. about Thanksgiving sides. In popularity, growing like leaps and bounds, mac and cheese. People are asking for mac and cheese as a Thanksgiving Day side, which I think is fantastic and wonderful. I have no problem with that whatsoever. I would like to join that bandwagon. However, they had to ruin the study by asking, okay, so... If you're going to put mac and cheese on your plate, what are you going to take off? This confuses me. I don't I don't get it at all. Why do you have to get rid of something because macaroni and cheese is at the very top of our side dish list? It is. Oh, it so is. It's, it's already in the mix. Are you Iowa born and bred? Like, have you lived here your whole life? We've been in Iowa for quite a while. And it's okay. always been a part of your Thanksgiving? Yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> let's just say that you were taking this survey, though, and they asked you... If you had to get rid of one to make room for mac and cheese, which one would it be? Probably deviled eggs. Oh, wait a minute. Ooh. You have deviled eggs as a side? Oh, man. You can send all those my way. <laughs> you don't? I no. love deviled eggs. <laughs> no. Maybe we should find out exactly what everybody's menus are. <laughs> and pick the best one and go just, there. Just, yeah. Pick the, pick the yeah. good ones. Jonna, are you getting rid of any Thanksgiving Day sides to make room for macaroni and cheese? Absolutely not. I oh. will pile things on top of others. <laughs> Amen, Jonna! <laughs> so so what goes on top? Are you going to like put the mac and cheese over top of everything? Yep, I'm going to put mac and cheese on top of green bean casserole. I'll put green bean casserole on my mashed potatoes if I have to. I'm not canceling anything out. <laughs> She's not All right. canceling! No, everything else has been canceled this year. I'm not canceling any side dishes. <laughs> <laughs> so you're sitting with a group of friends, and we are lamenting. The fact that our kiddos are kind of pulling away. They have a world that we mm. aren't really a part of, you know. And so I'm like, yeah, what, what have you done to be able to connect with your kids and spend some quality time with your kids? <laughs> one of my friends, she said it. She said the thing. I knew one of them was going to say it. And I really <laughs> didn't want her to say it, but I knew she was going to say it. And she said it. Well, I learned how to play video games with my kids. Whoa. And all the rest of us were like, no. Because that means net to measure up. Now you're going to have to learn to play video games. Is that what that is? I tried to play video games with my kids. Did you? Briefly. Yeah. Yes. Ahead of the games, my kids went in and they gave my character 150% strength. Okay. So that I wouldn't die in the first 20 seconds. So like they gave you a handicap. Yeah, I, I couldn't even overcome that. No. About 20 seconds in. About tw- because I start and I'm like, but what do I do? What button? Where, how do you do this? Leave it. What? I, what? Ah! There I, are so many buttons in video games now. I died four times in 20 seconds. Wow. That's impressive. Sometimes it's tough to be a parent that wants to connect no. with their child. Especially when it means that you have to learn how to play video games with them. That's, you know, it's a whole new challenge. I did not grow up with video games. I know nothing <laughs> about video games. For me, it was a handheld basketball games with little blips on a green sc- oh, yeah. or a gray screen. And it was like, beep, 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 beep. and then you would make a basket and it would go. Beep, 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 beep. That was it. How did it go for you, Helen? 
my son's 34 now, and I don't have to play video games. But when he was younger, I don't even remember what video game it was, but he was trying to tell me what to do to get to this certain level. He he was like, no, Mom, you're doing it wrong. Do this. Jump here. Do this. Get up to this mountain. Get up to there. Do this. Do that. And so I would die, and then I'd try it again, and I'd die, and I'd try it again. And finally, I reached this level that he wanted me to reach or whatever, and I, got, I couldn't believe it. I found out he had never done it. Oh. He knew how to do it, but he had never done it, and I am horrible at video games, and he is wonderful. And I'm like, you didn't even do that, and you had me do it? You should be proud of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It's the only thing I've ever done, and I don't even remember what game it was. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is just the facts of life, is that the generation behind you is going to be the generation that's better at technology than you are. Oh, I mean, good grief. Whenever something goes wrong in my house, the first thing I do, Ben! I know. Ben! Now, well, now my little nieces are the ones who are like showing me how to do stuff on my phone. I'm like, I don't think my phone does that. And they're like, no, 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 you just blah, 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 and then they fix it. How does that feel, Taylor? Probably about how my dad felt when I played a little prank on him. What did you do? Okay, he was uh, working on a Sunday school lesson. He taught Sunday school at our church, and he was going over the book of Genesis. Okay, and when was this? Boy, I would have been probably junior high age. Okay. And right around that time, I discovered that if you go into Microsoft Word, there are autocorrect options. Oh my goodness, what did you do? Well, I made it so that every time he typed the word Genesis... <laughs> Microsoft Word would automatically correct it to Exodus. Oh my word! Your dad must have been going crazy! And so crazy. he'd like type out Genesis and he'd space it out and probably wouldn't even see and then come back rereading and be like, why am I saying Exodus all this time? <laughs> Eventually, uh, I came clean about what was going on. He didn't find it as funny as I did. But I still think it was a pretty good prank. It's kind of a weird position to be in, but your kids are smarter at something than you are. You know what I'm talking about, right? It's technology. I mean, they just know technology better than we do. But if you are a kid listening, don't let it go to your head. <laughs> don't get too uppity about it because you just might get it turned around on you. I had a friend who tried to get a little smug with her mom when they were even trying to teach her how to keep her VCR from blinking 12 all the time. Uh-huh. She turned around and looked at him and said, uh, don't get smug with me. I had to teach you how to use a spoon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is a great comeback. Touche! <laughs> Imagine a world mm. where you don't have to worry about messing up your turkey. I need to know about this world. Yeah. There's no money gone down the drain, wasted trying to get this turkey right. You're not staring at a burned turkey saying, well, Thanksgiving is ruined. Because now there is turkey insurance. <laughs> oh, my God. Goodness. This is no this is this oh is my, a real thing. What do, this is a real thing. A real thing that Whole Foods is offering this year because they're saying here's their statement as we anticipate more smaller Thanksgiving gatherings and some first-time cooks tackling turkey preparation this year, the Thanksgiving turkey protection plan <laughs> Uh, this real thing allows customers the freedom of culinary exploration, knowing all is not lost should their cooking go astray. Okay, so you mess up the Thanksgiving Day turkey that you bought from Whole Foods. Uh -huh. What's going to happen? 
Well, then you can present them with your receipt showing you bought the turkey from them. You need to show them a photo of your ruined turkey. and just Which, ru- of course, you've already taken plenty of those oh, and yeah. put it it's on social media. all over Facebook. <laughs> and then you tell them why the turkey is not satisfactory, and then they will give you a gift card to try again. Okay, but Thanksgiving Day, you still could be without a turkey. Well, yeah, then you just go get Chinese food. Chinese food, exactly. <laughs> I knew Chinese food was going to be in there somewhere. It's got to go, go in there somewhere. It's got to be in there somewhere. Okay, so I like this. That's kind of nice. Like this. I like this. If I mess it up, I can get my money back and try you again. A Whole Foods gift card. And instead of a turkey, next time you can just buy kombucha. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> no. <laughs> Ew. Oh, you turkey. <laughs> I tell you what, I have stood in front of that turkey before I stuck it in the stove and I'm like, okay, you better turn out. Because I think it's so hard or so easy, unfortunately, to have a turkey fail. There are so many ways for it to go wrong and it's great hearing how you've messed up your turkey. Way back when I started my Navy career, one of our first couple of years, we couldn't make it back home for Thanksgiving due to the sub schedule. So we end up having Thanksgiving with our friends next door. They decide to do the stuffing. We do the turkey. So we're starting to get the turkey all ready. We're about ready to put it in the oven. Or actually, I think it was in the oven. And neighbor comes over and says, hey, I came over to get the liver and giblets stuff to put in this stuff. And they're like, they didn't come with any. It's like, no, they always come with it. Oh. In the bag. And he says, where's the turkey? It's like, it's in the oven. <laughs> Pull it out. And he lifts up the tail and reaches in and pulls out this bag. <laughs> like... What is that? <laughs> Thankfully, he came over and got it before we cooked it. <laughs> yeah. Do you know how many people have cooked that plastic bag? I'm sure there's been quite a few. Fortunately, we got rescued. <laughs> you got to put a big red warning sticker on it or Seriously? something. There should be like a flag sticking out or something. You know, yeah. a big red a flag. <laughs> flag sticking out of there. Susan is going to tell us the truth about her turkey fail. Well, I was a newlywed, and my mother was a wonderful, wonderful cook, my mother-in-law. And my father-in-law was a chef. Oh, no. my husband, yes. And it was our first Thanksgiving, and I just was so excited, you know, to host them. And I also was really stubborn, and I didn't want any help. Oh. So started out by the turkey sliding off the counter, and then I had to wash it real well. And I wasn't sure how to make sure it was sanitary, so I used a little bit of Dawn dishwashing oh. soap. <laughs> and, and I'm not sure if I got it all off or not because, guys, I tucked it in the right pan and I put it in the oven, and I didn't take out the bag of giblets either. I didn't know about that. And I thought, okay, this is great, then I'll work on the other stuff later. And I was setting the table and doing other things, just being a Susie homemaker. Uh-huh. And nothing is smelling good at all. <laughs> nothing. I look in the oven window, and it looks like a turkey. So I go on about my way, and I still don't smell any turkey. And I look in the window again. Well, this went on for hours. Finally, about 1130, my husband real nicely said, Honey, did you turn the oven on? Oh. Well, I did not. <laughs> what happened? What did you eat? Uh, well, my chef's father-in-law and mother-in-law had never been to McDonald's. <laughs> and <laughs> it was just not a happy Thanksgiving for them. I was mortified. <laughs> oh, my goodness.
I literally held my breath as I heard the words come from the bottom of the basement stairs. Uh Uh-oh. Now, I'm just going to warn you, the punchline of this story is actually fairly lame. (laughs) But the buildup in my head was really, really dire. Mom, my son says as I walk into the kitchen door. Mom, you are never going to guess what I found on the side of the road. The words every mother longs to hear from their child. And as I stood in the kitchen waiting for him to go from the bottom step to the top step to see what this thing was, you can imagine how many things went through my head. Oh my goodness, yeah. Uh, and the first and foremost being something alive. You know, an animal of some sort that was either hurt or desperate oh, or boy. big and hairy and drooly, <laughs> you know, something along those lines. I th- I mean, I literally had a mattress go through my head because I know somebody who dragged a bed home from yep. the side of the road. It was Taylor. useful. It was yeah. free. I mean, I had no idea what this child was going to show me when he got to the top of the stairs. He's like, it's really cool, mom, as he's walking up the stairs. And I'm thinking, what is this going to be? What did he find on the side of the road? He literally stopped his car to get this thing. He walks into the kitchen, and the first thing that registers to me is that it's bright orange. And I'm like, you pulled, oh. a, you pulled a road cone? What? <laughs> but no, as I look, he's like, check this out. It is a giant neon orange rubber mallet. Oh. <laughs> now, my guess is it did belong to a construction crew. Probably. You know. So it's like an actual tool. It is an actual con- yeah. giant neon orange rubber mallet that he stopped his car, went out, got it, and now is <laughs> is so excited about it. I'm pretty sure he's keeping it on the passenger side seat of his car. There are many words that strike terror into the heart of a parent. <laughs> One of those being, Mom! You'll never guess what I found on the side of the road. And we have been enjoying your found on the side of the road stories. Well, mine's found in a river story, but my son came home and he's like so excited that he found these things. And in the middle of a river, he went wading as a teenager and he pulls out an oar. So we have an oar, but we don't have a, a canoe. Just one oar. Just an oar. And then he found a road construction sign. This huge road construction sign. And so now that's in my garage. Because we couldn't possibly get rid of it. So my son found a giant bright orange rubber mallet on the side of the road. He stopped his car <laughs> to get out, pick up this giant neon orange rubber mallet. And what the funny thing was, was that he was so proud of it and he thought that I would be so proud of him too. I was like, yay, good job, Bubba. I mean, you get so proud of the things you find on the side of the road. And I always think of those stories from the perspective of the person who's finding the thing, but never from the perspective of the person who is on the side of the road when the thing is found. My house is right on I-35. Like, the entrance ramp to I-35 is in our yard. Oh. So, about a month ago, my husband built this huge star. It's like 30 foot in the air, probably six or eight feet wide bright LED light and it's on. And I'm like, okay, that's a bit early. (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. It's a beacon of hope to the weary traveler. (laughs) So the other night, knock, knock, knock on our door. This guy is like, um, I'm traveling from Texas. And I actually thought this was a Texaco station because of the star. (laughs) 
Hey, Paul, do you have a found on the side of the road story? I do. I actually find a lot of things on the side of the road, sometimes by driving and sometimes from jogging since I'm an avid jogging. And I've jogged home at least three miles with a snake in order to bring it all the way home and kept it for a week. A snake? You just jogged a with snake. a snake you in your hands? You jogged with a snake? I think it was a bull snake. I don't understand. Did you hold it like out in front of you in two hands? Was he around your shoulders? I need How to do picture you this. jog with a snake? You hold it by the neck so it won't get you. Then it curls up around your arm. And then you try to jog like that with people looking at you. <laughs> you do realize that's very strange. Yeah. Well, I do the same thing with snapping turtles during the breeding season, too. Okay, yeah, but I, do you bring them home? Yes. Why? In the In the minivan. Why? In the minivan, the kids are afraid to put their feet down because the snapping turtle will actually reach out and try to grab them. Why are you doing this Keep to your, your feet family? on the seats, kids. Keep your feet on the seats. Oh, they know better. This has been the Taylor and Jen Podcast. You can hear more from Taylor and Jen weekday mornings online at life1071.com or on the Life 107.1 app.